Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome back to another episode of Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures. Uh, I'm pretty excited for what we're doing today. Uh, it's it's definitely a first. We're uh, going to Alamo to watch Anna and the Apocalypse. Ooh, ah, half right. We're not going to the Alamo, we're going to the AMC Tysons. Oh. Because, unfortunately, the Alamo could not squeeze uh, in one loud and could not squeeze Anna and the Apocalypse into... Uh, their Christmas schedule. They get jam-packed this time of year. Oh. Yeah. But we are going to go to the movies, and so right now we're not recording from the Indie Dorks projection booth. We're actually recording from the Indie Dorks Kia Optima as we prepare to leave uh, to go to uh, see the movie uh, at the AMC Tysons. Now, what I think is particularly unique about today, because Claire has been to the movies before, but this is actually Claire's first R-rated movie at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, I think maybe let's... Claire, would you like to read the synopsis for Anna and the Apocalypse so people can have kind of an idea of what the movie's about? Okay. A zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven at Christmas, forcing Anna and her friends to fight. Slash and Sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones. But they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world. And with civilization falling apart around them, the only people they could truly rely on are each other. Alright, so, uh, it is a Scottish zombie Christmas musical, (laughs) Um, which I have seen before. I saw it at uh, last weekend, uh, this past last weekend at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, This was actually the movie that um, In the Mouth of Darkness sponsored for that film festival. We got all dressed up. We wore zombie makeup. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I saw the video. Um, He and his friends, he and a group of his friends were just, were dressed up in zombie makeup and they had ugly sweaters on and they were just walking around the, they were just walking around the movie theater before the movie started or after the movie had finished. Before. And then they were just dragging candy canes and giving it to people. Yeah. Uh, it was exactly like Claire described it and amazing. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Um, but so Claire had kind of been aware that the movie existed and we were looking for a special Christmas movie. Christmas movie. So happy holidays to everybody. Um, you know, ha- happy holidays for whatever holiday uh, you celebrate. Uh, I think that uh, this may be just after Christmas that this is airing. Um, so I hope you guys had a really lovely day. Uh, and if it's airing on Boxing Day, have a really fantastic Boxing Day. What's Boxing Day? That's a good question, Claire. I don't know. It's the day after Christmas. It's a thing. I'm not sure. I thought the day after Christmas Kwanzaa begins. Uh, that may be true, too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm terrible with holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we watched the trailer. Uh, What did you think about the trailer? 
I thought it was kind of cool, but so I so I watched it last night and I didn't understand why it was a musical uh -huh. because it's a movie. So I've never seen like musicals like the whole movie is a musical. I've seen episodes where they where the actors were in a musical, but uh -huh. I haven't seen one where the where the movie act where the episode or movie actually was a musical. Well, I don't think the whole movie is a musical, though. I, I mean, because there's, I think that there's spoken dialogue in it. So your mom showed you Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, right? Yeah. And you've seen um, Bing Crosby's White Christmas, where they talk and then they do singing and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of in that same spirit. Think Bing Crosby's White Christmas, but with zombies and death and mayhem. There was death and mayhem in that in that other movie because it took place in like in like a I think it took place in a world war. Bing Crosby's White Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, the start of it there in World War Two. So yeah, yeah, it opens up. It is kind of sad. Um. So having seen the trailer, uh, does it look scary to you? Well, I since you had seen the movie, um, right after the trailer had finished, I had asked you, "Is this movie scary?" But that now that I think about it, there might be some scary parts, but not that much, because a lot of rated R movies don't have a lot of a lot of scary parts. But you see, like the death part happening, like mm -hmm. in the trailer, you saw Anna, you saw Anna and two of her friends hitting people, mm -hmm. hitting zombies with a candy cane. Mm -hmm. Keep talking. And during the trailer, I had this funny part that I was like, <laughs> that I sort of related to because I really like, because I really like Justin Bieber's music. And then somewhere in, the, and then somewhere, I think it was like halfway through the trailer, um, they're in this cafe place trying to hide out from the zombies, and they're all with their candy canes and everything. Mm -hmm. And then their friend was just looking on her phone, and right before that, that moment ended, she's like, "Oh no." Guys, Justin Bieber's a zombie. <laughs> uh, I'm actually kind of curious about something that you said because you said for rated R movies they'll show the death part. What does like what does a rated R movie mean to you? If somebody says this is rated R. What do you think that means? I think it means like there's not a lot of scary parts, but there are some scary parts that happen, mm -hmm. and you can see it. Cause like when we watched the Terminator, you didn't really see anyone. You didn't actually see the part when someone got killed. You just saw it after the person was killed. Hmm. But in in a lot of rated R movies, but in rated in most rated R movies, you actually see it happening, but there's very mm -hmm. few parts that that happens. So like there's mm -hmm. like two or three parts. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the rated R movie. You know, there are some rated R movies where they I mean, really what the filmmakers are doing is they want to show you those moments where somebody gets their arm broke or somebody gets stabbed or something like that. And other rated R movies, they're rated R because, like you said, there's moments of death and violence in them, and that's what pushes it over the threshold. I think a lot of times, too, like m the more rated R things, you see more blood um, with the violence associated in the movie. People swear more. Uh, so I think that's kind of what the MPA, the Motion Picture Association of America. So there's like a board that reviews all the movies in the United States, and they make a decision as to whether or not something should be rated PG-13 or R or PG um, or NC-17 or whatever. Yeah. So are you excited to go see Anna and the Apocalypse? How many other zombie movies have you seen? Zombieland. Yeah, Zombieland. What did you think of that? 
I liked it. Yeah. My favorite part was when was when um the people walked was when two of the people in the mansion walked in and thought and because the guy was just as a zombie so that he wouldn't get eaten by other zombies, they thought that he was a zombie and shot him in the forehead right between his two <laughs> eyes. My my daughter's favorite part of Zombieland is the Bill Murray cameo death scene, which is awesome. Yeah, that's a good scene in that movie. What other zombie movies have you seen? Um, I've seen a kids movie that's, I've seen a kids movie, I've seen a kids movie that's sponsored by Disney Channel, mm -hmm. and it's all about these teens, and then some of the teens are zombies, but they gotta keep it a secret, or the people, or the principal and vice principal will hurt them. Well, not the vice principal, because the vice principal is also a zombie. Yikes. Alright, well, um, do you have anything else that you want to say before we head over to the movie, because we're running up against the showtime. Well, um, I just want to say, um, um, if you like, if you like our show, be sure to follow people. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Oh yeah, that's right. So we've got, uh, at this point, we've got a new Twitter handle set up for Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventure. And it's at, at B-A-C-E-A podcast. So it's just the initials of the show followed by podcast at B-A-C-E-A podcast and uh, definitely yeah follow us over there and if you have questions or uh, recommendations for movies or whatever um engage with us we're on social media all the time all right well let's go ahead and close out now and get out a little bit of the Here we are. We've come out of Anna and the Apocalypse and driven home. We're still in the Andy Dorks Kia Optima, um, but now we're ready to talk about the movie. So look, uh, this is, I think, the first time we've covered a movie that's brand new. Uh, heads up, there will be spoilers in our conversation, um, which is fine. Uh, I've been listening to April Wolf's podcast, Switchblade Sisters, and she has a thing that she says on there. Her motto is, it's not what happens, but how it happens. Uh, and I think that's actually quite brilliant. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, that's okay. Uh, you should probably watch it before you watch this if you don't yeah. want to have spoilers. If you're worried about spoilers, go out to the theater. If it's out around you, this is absolutely a movie that you want to see in the theater. But look, uh, again... It's uh, not uh, what happens, but how it happens and the ride that the movie takes you on. Plus, the music is just toe-tappingly amazing. All right. So, uh, with that out of the way, uh, Claire, what is, so this, I think, first of all, the first thing I want to say is this is your first R-rated movie that you saw in a theater. What did you think about that experience? I liked it. Yeah? What did you like about it? I liked how, like, um, I liked how, I liked the big screen. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. our screen isn't as big as a movie theater screen. Mm -hmm. So, like, I like the big, huge, wide screen. What did you think about the previews before the movie? Uh, normally, previews are supposed to relate to the movie, but none of the previews actually related to the movies. There were a couple on there that were pretty darn scary. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? Didn't stand out in your head? No, because, like... 
a relation to in my head is something that has like the same type of things. Like if there was a movie with Scottish people, Scottish. I would say that that's Scottish people. That I would say that's a relation to and to ATT Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's um, Anna the Apocalypse's Twitter handle is at a a t apocalypse. Um, okay, so what did you think about the story for the movie? Um, did it make you sad? Um, it made me jump a couple times, like at the end of the movie, where, like, um, before, like, you're just watching, and then all of a sudden it goes, and then all of a sudden, zombie Santa pops out. That's kind of creepy. Uh-huh. So it's like... <laughs> so it's like so it's like you're just watching the road. It goes black for a minute, and then when it comes uh-huh. back on, Zanta is in front of it. Can you make that face there. again? I just I know that this is a podcast, but make the face again. I want to take the picture. Oh yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> um, so I think you know in a lot of the movies that you've seen, um, that you know a lot of the cast really does tend to survive the movie. I mean, that's that's most of the movies that you've seen, right? Yeah. So, in this one, we had some really beloved characters who didn't make it through the movie. Did that upset you? Yeah. Like, John, he was one of my favorites. John? So, John was the friend of Anna, and he had a crush on her, but she didn't have a crush on him, right? Yeah. Yeah? Who else, uh, who else didn't make it that made you sad? Um, the girl with black hair and Christopher, I think is his name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you sad when the dad died at the end? Yeah. Yeah, did... Well, he technically didn't die. He just caught a virus. Like, if you caught your stomach bug, you're not dying, but you're just sick. Ah, uh, so, that's a good question. These zombies, do you think that they are all definitely the undead? Or do you think that they are just sick with a virus that makes them want to eat people? I think that the first one who caught it was dead... He was in a grave, and then some something, maybe someone had, was like a witch or something and dropped some type of like perfume or something mm-hmm. on there. That is an undead. So what I think is that um, someone caught it after they were already dead and in the afterlife, and they came back to life. And then they bit these other people, which and then he, and then that person created the virus and mm-hmm. then spread it to other people. Like if you have, if you don't know yet, but you had the stomach bug and you're just clapping people's hands, you're shaking them, mm-hmm, and you're like fist bumping. Mm-hmm. That is creating, that's spreading the virus. Mm-hmm. So a zombie virus is going to spread pretty easily, huh? Yeah. Every time you even get touched by a zombie. What? Um, so when we talked about the Terminator. Um, you had a very strong definition of what a cyborg was. What does a zombie mean to you? A zombie means the, a zombie. So like, I'm going to say the two. So the first person who catches the virus or is already dead and gets it from something is, um, undead, is an undead, is the, Mm -hmm. is the dead that's not, it's the, it's the dead that's undead. Right. And then zombies that caught the virus, mm-hmm. like Anna's dad mm-hmm. and Lisa and Christopher, mm-hmm. they are they are undead, like specifically undead. They're just sick. Mm-hmm. And and if you've seen the movie, at some point in the movie, like at the end, for a long time, they're talking about like trying to make like a like a like a um a cure for it or yeah. a, like a yeah like a drug to fix people. Sort mm-hmm. of like how some people take drugs when they have a cold mm-hmm. to make them feel better. 
Do you think, like, so for proper zombies, can proper zombies be cured by a medical science? Or once you're a zombie, you're a zombie and there's nothing that can be done about it? Well, in the movies I've watched, well, you can become a z- you can become a human again, but you have to go on like a special quest to do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to still have connection to your life before you got bit. Because most zombies are just zombies and they, like, if you don't think about, if you don't have any memories of before you became a zombie, you're just mm-hmm. a zombie forever. Mm-hmm. Until you get like stabbed and die or mm-hmm. something. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that you bring that up. Um, what do you think? the lessons of this movie are like what do you look at this movie and then take away from it as a lesson well in the movie she doesn't really she sort of like wished that she didn't have to be there and so maybe when she wished that maybe someone was hearing from above like an angel or god or something and then created the virus so that she didn't have to live there anymore because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she said because she specifically said in the movie i don't want to live here anymore yeah uh, why do you want to live anywhere? Why do you think that she didn't want to live there? Well, she didn't like her dad. She was sad mm-hmm. that her mom left, and well, her mom didn't leave. Her mom died. I mean, died. Mm-hmm. I mean, like left as in like left to the afterlife. Sure. Okay. After her mom left, and then, and then like, and then like she was having, and then she was having like problems with the principal, and she just mm-hmm. didn't want to, and she sort of like said, I don't want to live anymore, mm-hmm. sort of what she said. She didn't say that, but it's sort of what she said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, that's what convinced me that, sh- that, that's that, that that is why, that that is like the lesson. Don't wish for things that you don't actually mean at the moment. Don't wish for things that you don't actually mean at the moment. Like you're just mad. Don't wish mm-hmm. for the thing. Just think it inside your head. Don't actually say it aloud. Well, that's like the lesson from uh, Home Alone, right? Macaulay Culkin yeah. learns, right? He gets mad. He wishes his family away. He thinks that's his fault. <laughs> it's actually not his fault. It's the parents' fault. Yeah, it is the parents' they fault. They completely Terrible forgot, parents. Kevin. Uh, what other lessons do you take away from this movie? Um, like, what do, you th- what do you think the story's about? Like, I, I don't mean, like... Um, you know, Anna goes on this adventure, right, that she has to get to the school and find her dad or whatever. Like, what do you think the movie's about? What do you think it's trying to tell you? I think it's trying to tell you that, that, um, because maybe the reason they had it as teenagers instead of, instead of adults. Uh-huh. Like, there were adults, but, like, most of the zombies were teenagers. Mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. lot of them, because a lot of the school got affected by their parents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, well, wait, what was the question? <laughs> what was the question? The question was, what do you think the movie's trying to tell you? I think the movie's trying to tell you that if, like, that if you have problems in your life, don't wish for them to go away mm-hmm. by saying, I don't want to live anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to fight for what you want, and you don't know what's going to come next. I, I think, um... So you, so Claire has seen uh, Night of the Living Dead um, in July when the Joe Bob Briggs Marathon came on um, on Shutter. Before that came on, I just had the TV on and the channel going, the channel feed through that, and the Night of the Living Dead was what they showed before. And Claire kind of wandered out from her bedroom. Uh, and Actually, you had started that when we were cleaning the table, and then you said that if I had a good attitude while cleaning it, I could watch the movie with you guys. Yeah, my point is that you had asked to watch that movie. And so you came out, and you got a chance to see that. 
I, you know, so George Romero is the guy who directed Night of the Living Dead. He created it. And George Romero gets a lot of credit for creating the idea of the modern zombie that we know and see today in movies. Um, because before that, it was like, um, like, uh, like, like voodoo or magic, and there wasn't a lot to it. Um, and he kind of turned it into this thing. And one of the things that he did very well was he put a lot of social commentary into it. And so when George Romero's making zombie movies, what zombies really are is people's fear of the other, of things that they're not familiar with, and being concerned with having their way of life being overrun by the masses. Um, and people play with zombies differently in the movies that they make. And I kind of think when I watch Anna and the Apocalypse, when I look at it, is I see Anna, who is trying to make these choices about where she's going to go for the rest of her life, and she's trying to deal with what her expectations of life are supposed to be versus, like, what actually winds up happening. And I think, that, like, so, for example, like, the Hollywood ending, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. I think that that's her trying to... Um, I think that's her trying to come to terms with the fact that, like, life is not what you expect it to be. There's no set path. You know, you have to make choices. They have consequences. And that's where you go from there. It's like it's not always a straight path. Sometimes there are forks in the road. Exactly, exactly. I mean, what do you think about that? Well. Does, like, like does your life to you, like, your vision of where things are going to go and what's going to happen, do you think it's all automatic and it will just happen? Or do you think there's going to be stuff that you have to fight for? Like, what, what's your expectation? Well, um. Do you think about that at all? No, not much. Yeah? Because um, I get what I want. And I very rarely have to throw a fit for something. You think that throwing a fit gets you things? No, I mean... <laughs> I mean, I don't really think much of it because I normally get what I want. Things have worked out very well for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't have to think about, like... That's why I don't, that's why I don't think about that. Hmm. It's why for a second I didn't even say anything because I didn't mm -hmm. know how to answer that because I had never thought of it. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, I mean, do you have, do you ever think about like, oh, I'm going to go to college and what's college going to be like? Do you think about going to high school? Like, do you think about stuff like that? I think about what might happen in middle school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just, you're just starting middle school. No. No? I'm... What's, what grades count as middle school? Sixth, seventh, eighth. Oh. Hmm. I was adding a grade to middle school. Um, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yeah, yeah. Do you worry about what that's going to be like? Sometimes I think I might accidentally forget my locker code. Because <laughs> I forgot the password. <coughs> you okay? Cause I, yeah, because I forgot... Um. Because I forgot the password to my Roblox account. Because you forgot the password to your Roblox account? Okay. Because yeah. I normally don't have to do that because um, I have, because um, on the computer that I normally play it on, I never have to sign in. It just signs in for me because I saved mm. the pass, the use and pass on it. All right. Well, let's talk about the music a little bit. What did you think about the music? I liked it. Yeah? What did you like about it? I liked how 
how I liked how in every one there was some type of guitar. Mm -hmm. Like in one of this, like in a lot of the sad songs, they were just like the guitar. They were like the guitars that you use with your fingers and not the picks, mm -hmm. like how Taylor Swift uses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in like the happy and like sad but fast songs, like like um um like a Hollywood ending. Mm -hmm. Like there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. There's like there's like there's like the guitar you use for a pitch, and then you have to have speakers in the background, mm -hmm. like those type. What was your favorite song? Um, my favorite song was "A Soldier at War." Yeah, I love that song. So when you're watching the Soldier at War scene, is it the music that you respond to the most, or do you like the performance of the guy? Like what what do you what do you connect with most there? I like his dancing that he does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like the end pose is really funny because he's like, because he's sort of like dabbing and his bat is like, and he's like, he has his arm, he has this in front of his face and then his bat. Mm -hmm. It's like. I like, um, which you couldn't see, but Claire just did a perfect dab. Um, I like when he's on the shopping cart at the end, like George, like the picture of George Washington crossing yeah. the Potomac and his friends are like pushing the shopping cart as he poses like a <laughs> hero. Um, I like that part a lot. Um. What was the scariest part of the movie? Scariest part was when Santa jumped out of the end. Oh, right at the end? Yeah, so <laughs> literally at the very end, um, you know, the survivors drive off in their car, and a, like a Merry Christmas banner goes flying by the screen, and it covers up the camera, and it seems like it's just empty road, and then as soon as the banner flies by, there's a like a zombified Santa Claus that's going to get you. Claire legit jumped out of her chair when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom. And, yeah, Danielle was there with us, and she also jumped out of the chair, both of them. Very prone to the jump scares. that was her second time. I thought that she had, she had told me that you guys had seen it before already. Yeah, we did. weekend. Yeah. But, um, and she said, second time. Dang it. <laughs> um, so I did, I noticed uh, at one point uh, you kind of got up in the movie for a few minutes. It seemed like maybe it was a little bit too much. Do you want to talk about that at all? Um. It's okay. I think that, here's my thing. I think that's part of the experience of going out and seeing new movies. You know, from my perspective, I think End of the Apocalypse is mostly a funny movie. But I think it gets very emotional at times. Um, like like I, John does. Yeah, I think it's quite and sad. And gets sick. Yeah. John gets sick. Um, so what, what made you want to, at that moment, what made you want to stand up and, and go take a break? Um, so right as I went, um, it was when the zombies had just jumped out when, like, when they were walking through, when they were walking through the tree shed, trying to be very quiet. Right. So at, at one point in the movie, they go, they cut through a shopping plaza and it's a Christmas tree sale center. And, um, Nick is, is Nick, is that his name? Nick? Yeah, the Nick. other guy? Yeah, Nick. Nick's friends get killed. Um, the rest of the crew. Sick. Uh, get sick, right, because they get bit, they get turned into zombies, I, I keep forgetting. Um, and then they go to the other side, and, okay, so we're at the other side, Nick's just lost his friends, and at that point, then, you decided that you wanted to stand up and go out. And that's why I didn't see the part where, where John got sick, and then mm -hmm. you told me about it. He was standing in front of some reindeers, and he was like, ta-da, and his arm was around the corner and just got bit mm -hmm. off. Like, his hand, like, legit, his hand just got bit off, like, <laughs> <by his> <laughs> um, What happened, so, like, what, what were you feeling when you decided that you wanted to get up and go take a break? Um, I was, like, I was sort of, like, scared. Mm-hmm. What? 
I know that zombies don't exist, but sometimes when I, when I watch movies, I feel like they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I'm in a dark place, because a lot of times zombies come, zombies like to go out when it's dark. They don't really like to be in the sun. Ah, okay. So, like, there are some zombies that go out in the sun, but most zombies, like the olden zombies, they would always, they would always be in the dark. And then when mm-hmm. the sun came up, they would go somewhere where it was like dark, like in a cave or back into their grave, and then wait until dark came back, and then they would come back out. Mm-hmm. So, like, since we were in a dark theater, because I had that knowledge of that, it sort of, like, I sort of got scared because of like all the zombies and then the dark theater. So. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I had to go. So once you had taken a break and you got a chance to relax, did you feel comfortable coming back into the movie? Yeah. Did you enjoy the rest of the movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't... So I'll tell you two things. Um, you know, I think that watching a movie and realizing that you kind of need a moment to yourself is pretty normal. Um, one of the movies that we were at uh, at Lost Weekend for one of the times was very emotionally upsetting for me and I just needed to take a break from the movie and I got up and I left and I think I was out of the movie for like 15 minutes before I even came back to it. 15? Yeah. I was only out for like two or three. I didn't realize it was a competition for how quickly we recover, Claire. This is a safe space. We're supposed to be being safe with each other in our confessions. <laughs> so that's my daughter. Um, but yeah, like I think that's a normal part. You got to just know what your limits are. And I think that's an important thing for you to understand as we go through this is that, you know, if you hit a point where you feel like it's just too much and you want to take a break, take a break. And if you want to stop, we can stop. It's no problem. Anytime. Like there's nothing that's required. You know, at the end of the day, these are just movies. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, what, what, do you have anything else that you want to talk about in particular about this movie? Um, well, we had talked about something during the car, mm-hmm. during the car ride back home mm-hmm. after we went to John, before we went to Giant. Oh, we you, we had been talking, you had said, you had noted that there were no little kids in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, yeah. So your mom's response to that was that, you know, in a lot of zombie movies, there really aren't little kids in the movies because um, there's nothing that really turns an audience off to a movie, like watching a little kid get murdered by a zombie or turned into a zombie and then murdering people. Um, the only movie that I can really think of that pulls it off, well, there's a kid's... Cooties. Yep, is Cooties, which is a whole movie about... Kid zombies that exactly. were turned into zombies by the little by the chicken. Yeah. So I think it was Do like... you want to watch that movie? Yeah. You want to watch Cooties? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, we'll find a time for it. We'll put it in the... All right, put it on the to-do list. Um, There's a scene in Night of the Living Dead where um, the young girl had been bit by a zombie and she dies. And then she kills her mom with, like, a trowel. Sick. Yeah. Sick, right. She becomes sick. Yeah, you're you're very hung up on whether or not they're actually dead. And in Night of the Living Dead, they actually say she's sick. No, she is definitely sick. That's interesting. All right. She got bit on her arm like like right above your so like there's like a so there there's like a like a bone mm-hmm. in your knuckle and like right under your wrist under your wrist line and then so like if you if you take that if you take that bone and do an inch back that's where she got bit yeah um all right uh well so did you like Anna and the Apocalypse all in yeah yeah would you want to see it again yeah 
Yeah. Um, and I know that you love the music. We were rocking the music the whole car ride home. I was just, I was just doing the guitar. At one point in the song, I bring, there was like, there was like, um, people were playing the triangle. Some people, there was some triangle music, and then mm -hmm. I was just pretending to tap the triangle. Mm -hmm. And you were just like, and you just burst out laughing. <laughs> All right. Um, well, Claire, I'm proud of you. We went to the movie theater. You saw your first R-rated movie in the theater. I don't know how I feel about that. That seems very strange to me. Um, but you had a good time. And I'm glad that it was Anna and the Apocalypse. That movie is a ton of fun. All right. Well, then I think what we'll do is we'll wrap up this segment. And then I'll be back on the other side of the break with some thoughts about Claire and Anna and the Apocalypse. And, oh my gosh, her first R-rated movie. Uh, time flies. All right. Uh, well, then that'll do it for right now. And I'll be back on the other side of the break. Bye. Bye. <laughs> no such thing as a Hollywood ending. Ooh, oh, ooh, oh. No such thing as a Hollywood ending. So that was Anna and the Apocalypse with Claire. Um, yeah. First R-rated movie at a theater. <laughs> I'm not totally sure how I feel about that. I think it was a good idea. I don't think we pushed too many limits there, I suppose, at least as far as Claire's own personal sensibilities. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I guess I want to talk a bit about how I handle the approach to the podcast and how I sort of handle sharing these movies with Claire. And, you know, this is just, uh, I guess the most important thing to say is that this is just, like, my approach. Um, you know, th this is what uh, her mom and I have kind of worked out as far as, you know, where our personal philosophies align and uh, how we can, you know, work together to sort of push the horizons of what they're comfortable looking at. Uh, at a rate that matches their kind of expanding curiosity. And honestly, I mean, this is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. And when I say that this is just my approach, I mean, this is just kind of what we're working out as we go along. I mean, the reality is, is that there's a lot of stuff out there that they're exposed to. And Claire is actively expressing interests in these things, you know, without our pushing. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that, that makes it tricky, but you know, we kind of put some safeguards in place for this. I mean, the, the first thing to keep in mind is that, um, you know, Claire talked a little bit about it being too intense at the movie. Um, you know, she's totally in control of whether or not she wants to step out or stop the movie, or not even put a movie on the to-watch list. So, you know, if I suggest something and she says, oh, gosh, I think that's going to be too scary for me, my response is not, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, let's go sit down and do it. Um, my response is, okay, what makes you think that it'll be so scary? And have her articulate a reason to me, and then I typically will respond to that by saying, all right, cool. Uh, because mostly what I want to get out of her is, is making her more comfortable to express 
what she is interested in, what she's not interested in, what she finds upsetting, and what she doesn't find upsetting. And if it is upsetting, why is it upsetting? And like, I think that those are essential life skills as you go along in terms of processing the things that are going on around you. And if we can practice developing those skills of expressing comfort levels and having respect for them affirmed uh, in conversation through something as non-confrontational as what movie will we watch, um, that's kind of the foundational work that I'm trying to do in part with the podcast. Um you know, I've talked about before uh, on the in the mouth of darkness in in one of, in some of our episodes about you know kind of sharing these movies with her and like one of the stories was you know uh, when Joe Bob Briggs did his marathon on Shutter his his first return to marathoning uh, on Shutter over the summer I had put on the channel to wait for it to come on and Night of the Living Dead was on the original one and you know Claire wanders out uh, all the kids are in bed and you know Claire comes out and it's just me sitting on the couch watching this and um she just kind of plops down and is like hey do you mind if I watch this with you I just say sure no problem okay you know and then we're watching Night of the Living Dead together um and you know that sort of route is very easy because it's low-key barrier to entry for her. You know, she can wander out and say, this is what I'm interested in, and plop down, and she can bail out when she's no longer interested and there's no pressure there. You know, with the podcast, it is a lot trickier, and I do worry about how that should work because, I like, I recognize that at the end of the day, I like, I am her dad, and, you know, she is respectful of me, but she also wants to impress me. Like everybody wants to impress their dad. Right. And I'm cognizant of the fact that that can make that power relationship very uneven. Um, and I point that out just to say, so that like when we go see Anna in the apocalypse, you know, that's her in the driver's seat saying, I want to go do this and see this in the theater. And then in the middle of it, when she says, Oh, this, this is too much. I need a break. There's no, no, absolutely no. Uh, oh, no, 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 it's fine. You can you can handle it. None of that. All right, cool. Let's go step outside. And um, she cools out. And when she feels a little bit better, um, she can kind of come back. Uh, and, you know, part of the ways that I reinforce that with the podcast is that, like, she's in the driver's seat. You know, our format is created by her. Our title is created by her. Uh, the way that we approach the selection of movies is absolutely contributed to by her. Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I'm pushing her horizons, and so she can't know what she should select for herself to watch to kind of do that. Um, but when she expressed an interest in a movie, like, you know, we watched Bill and, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, she says she wants to watch the sequel. So that will absolutely be a future episode, you know? Um, same for the second Terminator. Absolutely. Um, so she's she's very much at every step of the way an equal creative partner in this process. Um, and I hope that that helps her treat it more like something that she is a partner in, which will make her more comfortable to express when she is uncomfortable um, or upset by something. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but let's see. So Anna and the Apocalypse in specific. Um, <laughs> so I guess like going to see the movie, at, like the, the one thing that I forgot 
uh, to consider for going to see an R-rated movie at the theater is that you will then see R-rated movie trailers. And, uh, like, we talked about this a little bit, but one of those trailers, like, holy shit, it it scared the bejesus out of her. She was, like, extremely upset by what was going on. She was like, nope, I don't want to watch that, not interested. You know, averted her eyes and, you know, kind of covered her ears. And once the trailer was over, immediately she cooled out. Um, but I would have felt better about that experience if I had remembered, um, you know, that that uh, scary trailers will come before the movies. And I think that that's something to keep in mind, too, is that like just because I think Anna and the Apocalypse is within her range of interest and comfort level um, does not mean that the scary movies that they show along with it, especially since during scary movie trailers, they focus in on the creepiest jump scares possible because that's how you market a horror movie. Right. Um like those are the things that are most likely to be disturbing from a movie for a child. Um, so I think in the future, if we go and do that, um, we'll probably step out during the trailers and go get, um, you know, popcorn or something while that's happening. Uh, so that it's not something that we kind of have to deal with. And it's not something that she has to start out and experience at the theater going, okay, that was terrifying and awful. Yeah. Let's do our fun stuff now. Um, and like overall at the theater, you know, I think the nice thing about doing this sort of exploration at home is that like we are like, we don't pause movies at home just because very often, but like, you know, there are bathroom breaks, so you could pause a movie. Um, you know, there are, oh, I have a question about what's going on. So we pause and we have a question, um, or, oh, I need a snack. Let's pause it and go get a snack. Okay. You know, so just the practice of watching, you know, a movie at home with a nine-year-old affords a series of natural interruptions that are each a few minutes long and, you know, helpful to ease her watching of the movie. You know, when you go to a movie theater, though, it don't work like that. Um, and I feel like probably I could have anticipated that she was going to run into some unease through that just by the endurance factor required to go through a movie that doesn't pause in a public environment. Um, maybe it makes it too intense. Maybe it's a comfort level thing. I don't know. Um, I do know that we talked about it afterwards on the way home a little bit, and she felt like, um, like it threw off our rhythm for our conversation for podcasting because, you know, we have a routine when we do it at home and this disrupted that routine. And I sort of suspect that some of her saying that was also about saying, you know, this threw off our routine of how we watch a movie. And that was, you know, also different. And that can add, you know, to stressors in a situation. Um, you know, her take in the aftermath was that she just loved the bejesus out of the movie. And, like, we bought the soundtrack as soon as we came out, and we were singing that, the car ride home, and, you know, she's been humming the refrain to it uh, since, uh, to a couple of those songs since. Uh, so, I, like, overall, I think the experience was very positive, but I think that there's uh, some things to consider for future trips to the movies um, that I could use to make a better strategy for how to approach these things and how to break them out. 
um, you know, if the movie's too intense, maybe what I need to do is enforce a bathroom break. You know, if it's just us, I can say, well, I got to go to the bathroom. And then I can like, well, Clara can't leave you in the theater by yourself. Um, so, uh, you know, and then take her with me and then sort of force an arbitrary break uh, in the movie or something like that. I don't know. I'm still kind of working out the strategy on that. Overall, I think it was a success. I would consider doing it again, um, but I definitely want to change my approach to how I handled it. Um, the other thing that I wanted to get into on the backside of it was, you know, um, part of the goals of the podcast is to help Claire with her ability to analyze and assess, uh, the story that's in front of her, you know, sort of like you would in English class or history class. Um, you know, you're presented with this big chunk of information and how do you process it? How do you summarize it? Um, she's a really, really strong reader. Um, she's super creative in school, um, but definitely one of her weak spots in school has been uh, summarizing and um, like synthesizing conclusions based on big chunks of information in front of her. And I mean, she's nine, so you know the expectations are are fairly low at this point. But it is um, something that she struggles with a little bit, and so I try. I think through these conversations to help her improve that skill. Um, now I, as a parent also need to improve my skill of how I have conversations with her to help her do that sometimes. Um, because you know, all of this is not about pushing my love of these movies onto her. It's about her finding the things that she's interested in and using that interest to expand her avenues and her capabilities, um, and her interests. Um, but I do love these things and I sometimes, uh, me personally, outside of being a parent, um, <laughs> uh, outside of being a parent, I struggle with simplified explanations, you know, where, uh, some people are very Hemingway and can put together short bullet straight sentences that convey, uh, their points with simple language. I'm like, give me a thousand words and I'll get there. Maybe. Uh, I had a, a guy that I worked with that we were, we were talking about how we explain things to our kids and, you know, he's, he's worked with me in a professional capacity for months at that point. Um, and we were talking about how to kind of simplify things down. So, you know, six or seven year olds can understand them. And he was like, Bill, you don't know those words, bro. And I was like, man, so much truth contained in such a tight little sentence. So good. I wish I could do that. It was a really good burn, but it was also super accurate. Um, and I think that you saw some of that come out in my conversation with Claire when I wanted to really dig into what Romero is changing with zombies and how that plays out and the commentary and the way that, you know, new creators in the zombie genre and the way that that evolves uh, all the way to Anna and the Apocalypse in terms of what they're doing with it. Um, like, that's really interesting stuff. Um, but it's also maybe slightly outside of the grasp of a nine-year-old in a casual conversation. Like, I think Claire could get there, but I just, I need to, I need to break it down Cookie Monster style and feed it out to her uh, slowly. Um, but sometimes I mess up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you, like, here's an info download for all this history. Um, and she doesn't need that. And, uh, I try really hard to avoid that, but you know, sometimes the excitement creeps out and, and that's what happens. Um, 
And I relate that not so much because I, I think it was a huge failing in the conversation or anything like that, but because like I I do really think that it's important that as parents we understand that, you know, there's no guidebook, there's no special training that you get. Um, I think that you just have to I think the idea is to have a plan with some goals in mind and some things that you can measure in the aftermath um, to help you assess whether or not what you were doing is effective and then use that assessment to inform the next series of decisions that you make. And as a result, you know, for me, parenting is just like this ever evolving decision loop of, you know, make a plan, make a decision, do an action, evaluate an action, and then repeat the process based on the evaluation. And that's why I try and be very mindful kind of, of, of those blunders when I feel them, because, you know, when you start lecturing somebody, uh, they shut down and then it becomes not super helpful. And I'm obviously not trying to lecture. Um, but when you're nine and dad starts talking in big words about really complicated philosophical complex, you know, philosophical thoughts about how zombies are used, it's like, geez, okay, well, cool. I like the songs. Um, so yeah, uh, that's my learning experience with Anna and the Apocalypse at the movie theater. Uh, and some of the challenges I think that I, I struggle with as a parent, as I'm trying to go down this path, I hope that that insight is helpful uh to the parents out there or to the non-parents if you're interested in such things but yeah so i think that will uh do it for this particular episode uh you can find me at wbdas on twitter and instagram and letterboxd and you can find my in the mouth of dorkness compatriots at itmodcast on twitter and facebook you can find Brad Gullickson at MouthDorked on all social medias. You can find Lisa Gullickson at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter and Letterboxd, as well as at BakedDork on Twitter. Uh, you can find Darren Smith, the Disco Dork, at the Disco Dork on all social medias. And you can find Brian Young at the Turtle Dork on Twitter. You can also find Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures uh, on our Twitter handle. Come and follow us. Interact with us there at B-A-C-E-A podcast. That's just Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures uh, abbreviated down to podcast at B at B-A-C-E-A podcast. Boy, I got to get better at that. But follow us if you don't follow us and shoot us some questions and let me know what your parenting struggles are or, you know, how how you handle exploring new things with your kids. And if you've got ideas for things that we should consider to watch, shoot that out at us over there too. Um, I hope that you all have had a lovely Christmas. I hope that you have a great new year. I'm not totally sure when this is going to pop up. Um, but I hope you get to spend some time with your loved ones and I hope that things are better than they have been for everyone. Uh, so holiday love to everybody, and we'll see you next time.